Today on the Real Guy Podcast, I got Josh Greer. Now, Josh Greer is fifth generation Floridian. I'm talking about real Florida cracker. And his family sees Florida in a whole different way and a whole different perspective than most people. I thought it'd be interesting for the audience to get to know Josh. He's a big advocate for Captains for Clean Waters and Bonefish Tarpon Trust. And of course, he's in the Real Guy Network. Currently, Josh is a fly fishing guide that fishes between Port Charlotte and Fort Myers. If you'd like to go fly fishing with Josh, I would suggest highly to look him up. I hope you enjoy this conversation with Josh Greer on The Real Guy Podcast. Clear the airways. The Lunker Dog is on the air. Are you ready? This is The Real Guy Podcast. Being a fishing guide... We exploit the resource more than anybody. Right. Right. Like we use it every day. No matter how careful you are, you're always, you know, human. I mean, we're going to have an impact at some point, but we exploit it. Right. You know, we tell everybody how great this area is or whatever area it is. We exploit it. We make money off of it. We should be the first to give back and give back the most because we use it the most, Mm -hmm. you know. Just because it's the right thing to do. And also, from a business standpoint, if you have no resource, you have no business. So, I mean, you know, it's an investment. Right. You know, like we were talking before, it's it's a long-term investment, but you got to invest. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think, um, I don't know, maybe, it, maybe it's an age thing or whatever, but when you fish long enough and hard enough and you put your 100% of your energy into it, I don't know how long it takes. It's probably not the same for everybody. It took me, you know, a good 20 years to change my outlook and to change my goals and to change my energy. And I I never thought that um, I would be in that position as a conservationist type. Yeah. You know, and it was always like. Well, the conservationists, those are those weirdos that, you know, are yeah, trying to save they're some. They're like bugging, honey, you know, hugging bunnies and, you know, chaining themselves to trees. Well, no, that's. Right. That's and, really not what it is, right? So. Well, not anymore, I guess. Yeah. Uh, thank God. I don't really want to go chain myself to a tree, but <laughs> maybe it has to be a pretty big tree to chain me to it. But um, no, it's funny, you know, growing up, like I didn't. I guess I, I kind of had some of that built into me. My dad's always been kind of involved, and I've got a guy that I call my uncle. He's actually no blood relation, but he's, you know, one of my dad's best friends. He's like 83, 82, 83 now. Right. He's always been very involved. So I've had that kind of in the background all the time. Mm-hmm. And I think you're right, though. Like, when I first started fishing, it was always, it was always about the fish, right? Like, I got to catch the biggest, the most the greatest all the time and you know this is what i'm gonna do and then i think like you said after you do it for a while you're like there's so much more to this than just catching the fish right so now my outlook on on guiding at least is my main goal every day is somebody gets on my boat when they leave i want them to know more than they did when they got there right no matter if it's no more about fishing or fly fishing or the fish or the environment or water or a boat or a motor or whatever it is, I want to teach somebody something, you know? And I think, I think that's how we win all these environmental issues long-term is the more people know, the more they care. Right. You know, I I mean, I've got a whole long list of clients that they didn't know just were like naive to it. Right. They have no idea. They just think Florida is great. And right. you take them and you show them stuff and you start talking to them and like, oh crap! Well, they tell their neighbor and you know they tell their buddy and you know someone writes a check or someone makes a phone call or someone writes an email to you know their senator or whatever, you know. The more people know, the more they're going to care. Yeah. You know. Yeah. So I always try to get my clients involved somehow. You know. Yeah. Well, I think. That's that's what that's that's the evolution of it. Like, I feel more like a teacher than a guide anymore. Right. I mean, well, but I think I think that's the mistake that a lot of guides today are new guides. And um, I hate to bring up the 
the evil thing called social media, but I think that's I think that's what social media has done to the guiding world, right? Like, I think originally fishing guides were teachers to begin with. I mean, that's like the root of it, right? Is Mm. teaching people how to fish or you know whatever it is. But we got so far away from that with social media, and like now it's about a picture or (laughs) how many likes we get or whatever it is, you know, which is. It's stupid to me. Like, I have social media because you have to now, right? And, but I really wish I didn't. Yeah. <laughs> now, trust me. Trust me when I tell you. I feel you because, you know, we did so much YouTube in the early days. And then, you know, the Facebook and the Instagram and, you know, now all the different social. And I look back at it and I think to myself, if I was to start all over again, i do not so sure I'd take that avenue. Granted, it yeah. it gave me some exposure and it put me on a platform that I wasn't necessarily on before. But looking back at it after 15 years of doing it, yeah, you know, I'm thinking to myself, was that the right move? Right. So then, you know, 15 years ago when I was starting, like that was kind of starting at the same time, you know, like Facebook, like Facebook. I remember when Facebook was only for college kids, like you had to go to college to have a Facebook. Right. And then all of a sudden it was open to everybody. And it's, I hate it. I didn't want it. I had no use for it. It didn't make sense to me. And I didn't even, shit, I didn't have a website. Right. You know? Right. And people are like, how are you getting business? It's word of mouth. Somebody told somebody or, you know, having relationships with tackle shops or, you know, stuff like that and it's funny how to watch that part of it phase out now like it's you totally, can have all it's the, almost totally yeah gone. you can have all the relationships you want with tackle shops now didn't do any good unless you have 10 gajillion followers like you're not cool anymore i don't get it you know sure. it used to be like here if fish and frank said you were cool you were cool bro you're in now, now unless instagram says you're cool you ain't cool yeah. <laughs> you know yeah yeah I'll tell, you, I'll tell you a quick story, and it just happened just a few weeks ago, is I uh, had this uh, father-son on the boat, and the son was about 20 years old, going to college, really good kid, you know? Right. And they loved fishing, especially the kid, and his dad, you know, knew that he loved fishing, so he brought him out on the boat, and they, I mean, in the first five minutes of the trip, they hooked, you know, huge tarpon, 100-pound fish, and it's jumping all over the place. And um, the kid had it on for maybe 10 minutes or so, and it got under a dock, and he lost it. And as soon as he lost the fish, he turned to his dad and wanted to know how much he got on video, if he got the jumps, if he got any pictures. And his dad, you know, he's older, mm-hmm. and it's not easy to get. Yeah. And the kid was totally destroyed. Because he can't prove it to anybody. And he, that was his, like... Like, if, it, if you don't have an Instagram post to go with, it didn't happen. Right. You know? And I'm thinking to myself, this kid's never seen a 100-pound fish on his line before. He did, that was the best 10 minutes of fishing that he's ever had in his life. And, and all he was worried about was a video. All he was worried about was Instagram. It's sad. It really is. Um, and I even found myself for a while, like, falling into that trap, right? Like, oh, you got to have video or a cool picture. Like, no one's going to know that you did it. Yeah. Well, now I'm getting to the point where it's like, I don't really care if anybody knows what I did. You know what I'm saying? Or, or almost, dude, the way I post now is it's all deception. Right. I make sure they don't know what I'm doing. Right, exactly. I post something that I did two months ago. And well, I- yeah, exactly. You have to now, which is a whole nother social media issue. <laughs> but it's crazy, man. It's crazy how things have changed um, in the fishing world, in the environmental world. Um, you know, like I said, Growing up in South Florida was totally cool. I'm so glad. Like, I feel blessed that I was able to see some of the stuff and do some of the stuff I did. Mm-hmm. I'm hoping that it doesn't go away. You know, um, you know, there's a lot of people fighting for that issue. Um, and my thing is, I. It's funny. You know, we were talking about environmentalists versus conservationist and this and that and. It's crazy how much flack I've caught from people, like from the good old boy crowd, if mm-hmm. you will. Mm-hmm. You know, oh, bro, how are you gonna? Oh, you're a bunny hugger now. You know, no, no, I'm not. I, I just want things to be right. You know, right? Um, you know, and I, you know, 
Captains for Clean Water is a organization that I've put a lot of time and effort into. For one, Daniel Andrews was is one of my best friends. I've known him forever. He's a great kid. Um, they they did something that no one was willing to do. Yeah, you know, and they they're smart about it, right? Like Everglades restoration, the science has been done. We know the problem. We know the answer. It's a real simple answer. Get water from the north to Florida Bay. That'll help Florida Bay. That'll help people in Miami have drinking water. That'll stop the discharges over here. It's such, you know, if we can restore as much flow as possible, can we can we make it what it was 150 years ago? No. Right. Like, we can't do that. Right. If we can get it as good as we can, it's damn sure going to help. Right. And that's the only way to fix those things, right, is get water from the Kissimmee watershed to Florida Bay like it's supposed to be. Mm -hmm. You know, you can get off on tangents about wells or how things are, you know, places to put all this water. Well, there's only really one place it needs to be. Right. It's Florida Bay. Right. So, you know, so that's why, you know, people go, oh, well, why did you choose captains? Oh, because it's cool. No, not because it's cool. It's because they they're doing the right stuff, you right. know. Well, you, you know, I give Chris and I and I give Andrew like a lot of credit, and I tell you why, is because they did kind of make it cool, right? And, and they and they let guys like you and me come out of our shell, right? And go ahead and like let it out, right? Let people know, you know, what what is in our mind, and it's important, and. I went there and I did the podcast with them and I told you we screwed up the right. audio and I wanted them to know that they made it cool. Oh yeah, for sure. And, and I give them all the credit in the world for that, right? Is before, you know, like we said, growing up here and seeing this stuff, I, I didn't know how or where or was scared, if you will, to, you know, to say something. Well, they did. They made it cool, which helps. You know, in, in this new world with social media and all this stuff, like, that's what matters. And that goes back to just what we were talking about with my customers about somebody, you know, educating people. Where they've found a way to educate a lot of people. Mm -hmm. And now there's a lot of people in that fight that weren't there before. Yep. You know? Yeah. And because of the amount of people they've got involved, you know, we've been able to see that needle move on Everglades restoration, you know? I've, you know, I think we've made leaps and bounds in the last, you know, four or five years that, because Everglades restoration in this fight is not a new thing. I mean, they've been trying to do it for 40 years, 50 years. Sure. But we've made leaps and bounds in the last five that never thought was possible, you know. Right. And the, you know, and the other thing, too, is like you said, is like people know the science. Or I shouldn't say people know the <coughs> science. The science is there. Right. Science has been done years ago. Right. No one needs to do any more science. What people need to do now is to make sure people know about the science right. and know which direction and to go. And hold politicians and policymakers to that science, you know. And it's a crazy world. <laughs> the more I get involved in it, the more I just scratch my head and I'm like, wow. The fact that we have to do some of these things is crazy to me. Like, isn't this your job? Right. Right. Isn't that what we elected you for? Right. Isn't that your job? Like, if, if I didn't do my job, I'd get fired or I wouldn't have any business at all. But you can do not do your job and keep it. That's, yeah. But I think in the last couple of years, politicians have woke up to that. that if they don't start doing their job, we'll find somebody that will. Do you think they've woke up and woken up to it? A little bit. A little bit. You know, so the when I got involved with captains and stuff, it was, you know, cause I've been to D.C. with them. I've been to Tallahassee with them. And, you know, I learned real quick that politicians understand two things, money and votes. Yeah. You know, I don't have the money to persuade them to do something, which there are some people involved in this world that do have the money to persuade them to do something. But I have this thing called the voice and I have this crazy thing called social media and I can put you on blast and I can cost you votes, you know, you know, we saw that here in 2018 in Charlotte County. And I think at a state level, you know, with the governor's race and stuff like that, I think, you know, the 
DeSantis getting behind the water thing is a big part of why he got elected. It was. You know? And I think that was that was good, right? Because that showed the rest of them that, hey, either get on board and play ball or we'll find somebody that will, you know? Yeah, yeah. So. Well, I mean, I mean, the city of Fort Lauderdale, you know, we, you know, we, we, we got issues. We, we have the same exact issue that um, Ever, the Everglades, Everglades National Park has with water flow. Right. We have the new river that flows into Fort Lauderdale that we dammed up. Right. We got three or four other rivers that flow into the intercoastal there that we dammed up. I mean, granted, it's not a, a huge, giant ecosystem like Everglades National Park, but the issue's the same. Oh, I mean, the same thing here in Charlotte County. We have the same, we have localized problems that are basically the same thing. You know, they've taken all these creeks and sloughs that used to run in Charlotte Harbor and either dammed them or ditched them. And now they're flowing. They're either not flowing or it's what they are flowing, which is golf course runoff and mm-hmm. neighborhood runoff and sewer and whatever, you know, septic, leaky septic tanks. And it's. The whole state of Florida has a, a water flow problem, you know, and I think you can go county by county or, you know, coast by coast and pick it apart and every place has the same problem. Right, right. Well, the the, the, the local officials in Fort Lauderdale, I mean, this is, it's a, it's a tough year to analyze this because of the COVID and all the shit that the politicians have had to go <laughs> through this year. But they ran on water quality for right. the first time ever in Broward County. And they had their picture of on boats in front of the friggin', you know, mangroves right. and all these things that, that they were going to propose and that kind of thing. So I think it was a step in the right direction. Yeah. But, but now it's time to hold you them gotta accountable. Hold them. You got to hold, I was going to say that. Right. You know, I think 2018 showed a lot of politicians that if they get on the side of water, they can get elected. Not all of them are honest and going to keep those promises unless you make them, which is why the more people we can educate, the more people are going to help keep that, you know. Right. right. You know, me or you or our voices are only so loud. But when you have an entire community saying the same thing. Right. You know. Well, I think that one of the most positive changes in the fishing world came because of all the negative environmental impacts. Like, guys like you and me want to sit down. We don't want to talk about what fly we're using necessarily anymore. Right. We don't want to talk about locations. We What we want to talk about is what are we going to do in the future right. to make sure that my kid can do it. Right. Well, I think that's the most important thing at this point is it doesn't matter what fly is going to be good if we ain't got nothing to throw them at. Right. You know, if yeah. our water quality goes to crap, you got the best looking fly and the best thing bucket of mullet you ever seen. <laughs> what good's it doing you? Yeah, exactly. You know? Exactly. So I, there again, long-term investment. Right. You know, I'm, I'll be 37 this year and I want to do this for another 30 years if I can. I don't know if I'll be able to, but I'd like to. You can do, you, you, you're going to be able to do it. You know. You're going to be able to do it. It's going to be at what capacity and what it's going to be like maybe a right. lot different. The, um... The shit that I see happening here in Fort Myers reminds me, it's almost a duplicate, carbon copy of what happened in Fort Lauderdale. No, and it's why I say that all the time. Even, you know, Fort Myers, Punta Gorda, Port Charlotte, this whole area, like I said, what attracted me to here was it was like Homestead used to be. Same thing that happened to Homestead's happening here. And... That's the biggest struggle I have with almost everything in the state, right? Is did we not learn? Right. Like we screwed the Everglades up and we screwed Miami and Fort Lauderdale and you know, we screwed that up years and years ago. Did we not learn anything? And I think we did, but I think that almighty dollar will make you look the other way a lot of times. Yeah, and then the um three or four hundred thousand people a year moving into the state. You gotta put them somewhere, right? Well, you gotta put them somewhere. But they don't know. Right. And there's nobody to to educate them. Right. Or at least there hasn't been. Right. But, I mean, in my opinion, not my opinion, the only way we're going to be able to make this state work is that every single person that moves here has to at least get the idea right. that we can't keep doing what we're doing. Right. Which is... 
since I closed my fly shop, that's kind of been my new mission, right? Is to, for one, get more educated on history of Florida, um, specifically to do with the Everglades and, you know, the this gladesman culture that I'm happy to be part of, you know. And to make that more known to people because of just what I said before, the more they know, the more they care. Right. Correct. You know, and the hard part is there's not a whole lot of me, right? There's not a whole lot of people that have been here for that long, you know, multi-generations or know that history or know that past that can educate these people. You know, if a guy moves here from Ohio and he moves in next door to a guy from New York, the guy from New York don't know what to tell him, you know? So how do you reach that guy? Well, you reach them by making it cool, you know, and, but it's got to be done and I'll do whatever I can to, to keep it going, you know? Well, I mean, I want to thank you for it. I mean, that's one of the reasons why I had you come over here to sit down and put the headphones on and to have a conversation about it because right. it's guys like you that I think that, um, or the people that I want to be associated with. I want to, I want to share the message with them. I want to learn from them and it's about uniting. We did a, a podcast with um, Dave Marciano from Wicketuna. Right. And I wasn't expecting to get what we got out of that podcast because, you know, that's TV, right. a lot of, you know, a lot of bullshit involved. Dave doesn't exactly sound like a scholar. <laughs> you know what I mean? But some of the shit that he said was so on point. Yeah. You know what I mean? But and he, he's up there in Massachusetts. But he lived it. He's hey. lived it. He's... A real guy <laughs> you know what I mean so and that was when I first got involved with this stuff that was my biggest fear right? like I can't go talk, talk to a politician dude I'm just this <laughs> dumbass Florida cracker right like I don't I can't say big words you know but I found that that means more to a lot of people because it's real you know and it's tough for me sometimes because I it's I get emotional and I get upset and I want to yell at somebody or I want to cry or I want to, you know, punch the wall. But I think it's that realness that counts, you know, it's, it, and it's tough because you get up there and you, you know, you want to start MF in this dude that's a politician or whatever, but you can't do it. So that's always been a struggle for me is like, you know, keeping it real, but making it work. Yeah. And I think keeping it real though, has helped and got me further than trying to be this, you know, fake, whatever, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of fakes in this world. You know, there's a lot of guys that no, they walk, play the claim role. to walk the walk, they play and they the don't, role. but they don't live that life. Yeah, you they know? play like, the role. I don't want to sound like, the, you know, Mr. Gangster from Dade County. You ain't about that life, bro, <laughs> but you're not, you know, like you haven't been there. You haven't seen it. You have no idea, you know, and that's a struggle for me also you know having a camp in the big cypress and hunting and having an orv and a swamp buggy and there's been this fight there a whole other separate fight with environmentalists you know wanting to keep us from doing what we've done there for hundreds and hundreds of years and it's crazy because you know how can somebody that's never lived a day in that life never been to these places Tell me what I can and can't do there. Right. Like, right. How, how's that work? Like, well, I think that was the big divide between the real guy or the, you know, the guy that's, you know, the outdoorsman and environmentalist or conservationist over the years is, you know, you had people, some lib from friggin' Connecticut come down here and yeah, tell a bunch of Florida with, crackers with, what to do. With purple hair telling me that I can't ride my swamp buggy to my hunting camp. Because I'm going to mess something up. Well, first of all, and I think this even goes to like fishing guides and stuff like the reason I want to be able to do that is because I care about it. Like I would never do anything to those woods or that water that would hurt it. Right. Why in the hell would I do that? Right. It's, you know, it's in the, to me, it's not a job. It's, it's a lifestyle. It's everything, you know, like, yeah, I make a living fishing. That's also what I do when I'm off is I go fishing or I go hunting. I go to the Everglades, you know, so I'm not just losing my job. If I mess this up, 
I'm right. losing my recreation. I'm losing my church. I'm losing my everything, you know? Right. So how can you, you know, like we said, a purple-haired person from New Jersey going to tell me that I can't do those things or how I should do those things? Right. Well, how the hell do you know? You ain't never been there. Or you're a villain for doing those things. Right. Yeah. 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 I'm the devil now because, I've, <laughs> you know, I want to go hunting. Don't kill Bambi. Well, I'm not killing Bambi. Jesus. I mean, it's the Everglades, first of all. Like, you're lucky if you see a deer, right? Right. So, and it's not about that. And I think that's part of the problem is outdoorsmen historically and even today, and especially for some reason in Florida, right? Like the whole Florida man joke. Like, they think you're some crazy-ass redneck with no clothes on slinging alligators at people and shit. Mm -hmm. But we're not that. We're really not. You know, just because I'm six foot eight and 300 pounds and got this beard and like not scared to go wade through a swamp with an alligator doesn't mean I'm some bloodthirsty redneck that wants to kill everything and you know well it's that Hollywood it's that Hollywood image the same fake image that Florida had right is they've what, done the is, same thing is what they to did to outdoorsmen. the outdoorsmen exactly. right exactly outdoorsmen are these bloodthirsty heathens that just want to drink Budweiser and shoot at things in the dark well no way First of all, outdoorsmen were the first conservationists for the same reasons that we were just talking about. Because mm -hmm. they figured out real quick, if we kill all the deer, we shoot all the ducks, we're not going to have any to shoot next year. Like, that's stupid. We can't do that. You know? Yeah. Well, you're, you're, you know, you're in a little bit different position than me because I'm in the city all the time. So how do you, how do you deal with the guy, the outdoorsman, that rejects captains for clean waters or rejects the environmental... Um, message or happens a lot actually it does happen no yeah um and it happens for a couple reasons i think um it happens for one reasons that there's some special interest involved that i think spread that mess misinformation right mm -hmm. trying to make groups like captains or whoever it is look bad um and it also happens because just what we were talking about their idea of a conservation group or a you know environmental group is that person yelling at them telling them they can't do something thinking it's an opponent right and you know i've got a lot of a flack for doing some of that stuff and it's like look man i know i get it right like some of these groups that i deal with you know audubon society and you know PETA type places you know I get it. They don't want me to do those things, but sometimes I got to work with them to fix this problem. Like I'll fight with them when that day comes. Mm -hmm. But the second part of that is I also want to show them that we're not, or I'm not what they think I am, you know? Mm -hmm. So when that day comes that I have to fight with somebody about hunting in the big Cypress, maybe they'll be a little more compassionate because they understand where I'm coming from. I realize they, you're not a villain. Exactly. Same thing, right? Like, we don't all have to be villains. We don't have to agree on everything, right? But I think that's today's world in general. If we don't agree, you're the devil. Yeah. I, I, I don't know when it became not okay to disagree. I mean, we can disagree. It's fine. We don't have to hate each other for it, you know? Exactly. And that's the biggest challenge that I have, though, is that mixing those two worlds, right? Is how to... How do you stay a real guy and, you know, do good? Well, who the hell says you can't, you yeah. know? Well, you're, you're being a leader, Josh. And it's a, it, you're right. Like you you want to, well, you know, it, but it's true. When you lead and you're, and you're being a leader, it's not easy right. to be the leader. Right. You know, but, you know, thank God we got guys like you that don't mind getting right. in there and, and giving it giving it a go well you got to um for one something that stuck with me for my entire life my dad told me when i was young you know i, I don't even know what we were talking about I, I was probably asking him why he was doing what he was doing at the time you know with conservation and he says if you don't get involved you have no right to bitch and i i have a and that stuck with me because i see it happen all the time Fishing guides at a tackle shop or, you know, guys out there hunting camp in the Big Cypress sitting around a campfire and they're bitching and they're bitching and they're moaning and they're complaining about 
whatever it is, right? There's no fish, there's no deer, there's no clean water, whatever it is. And it's like, well, what did you do to help it, bud? Right. You know, if you don't get involved, you have no right to bitch. Right. So, and like I said, everything I do revolves around out being outside and in these wild places. So I'm going to do everything I can, you know, and try to be the first person to fight for those places. And I wish everybody else would do it. But Yeah, one step at a time. They'll come around. It, well, it's coming around. I mean, you know... Um, that just the just the stupid sticker on the back of the car, right? You know, I mean, it was there was a time where you know, okay, you put up a a snook or a tarpon or, or sailfish or whatever the heck it was into. Right. Now you're seeing guys put up, you know, the Bonefish Tarpon Trust, right, or the Captains for Clean Waters or the Coastal Community Network or whatever. You know what I mean? And you see that, and it's coming from the outdoorsmen. But I gotta tell you, the thing that the thing that irritates me the most are the big companies like Salt Life, <laughs> that have the money and have the influence and have their door, the foot in the door for all the new people that need to be educated. Right. They're very willing to take that Salt Life image and make a shitload of money off of it. Right. I would love to see companies like that take the next step. Well, there again. It's a long-term investment. How long can they do that? If our salt life, if you will, gets so screwed up that nobody wants to live that salt life, what good's your sticker? That's a good point. You know? It's a good point, but... I mean, but I think that's why you see people like, you know, Hell's Bay and, you know, these companies that are involved with captains or Bonefish Tarpon Trust or whatever, these you know, these companies that get it, right, is because... They see it as a long-term investment. Yeah, I get that, and and I'm and don't get me wrong, I appreciate those companies for what they do do, but they are so small in scale. Oh no, right? Yeah, and, I would love to see. And a lot of them preaching to the choir because right, it's guys like you and me that are familiar with exactly. those companies for sure. You know, and you know, and, and you see it over and over again. I mean, Yeti's trying to do a good job, and it's not that they're doing a bad job. But I really think they could do a lot more and well, be a lot more effective. Yeah. Everybody could do more. And, and the more resources you have, the more money, the more people, the more you can do, right? Like, I'm only one guy. I only have X amount of dollars to invest in this situation. Mm -hmm. Well, if you're a company that has 3,000 employees and $3 million, you can do whatever you want. You know, you can get that much more invested. Right. You know, and if you're a company that has $30 billion, you can do a hell of a lot with it. Right. And there again, I don't know if it's, is it education? They have to know, right? Like, I mean, surely they're not blind or deaf. <laughs> well, I, I just don't know. I just don't, I just don't know because, I mean, I, I got, you know, I got the social media influence, the whole Real Guy Network thing. Right. And I'm more than willing to spread the word and let everybody in the real guy network you know watch what i'm doing and see what i'm doing and right. that kind of thing i just wish I, like i said i just wish that the the bigger groups right you know like you and me we love fishing that's what we wake up for every single day well yeah we're gonna be into it right yeah we're gonna be into it but salt life and these companies, um, I mean, Patagonia is doing a great job, but they can do so much more. And I don't know if maybe they just don't know how. Right. I don't know. I don't know. And hopefully going forward, guys like you and me will get the message across to them that please do. Hopefully. I'm a, I mean, I'd love to see every company. If you sell something in Florida, you, better, you need to be involved. And that's where, and not just companies, freaking Realtors, yep. construction guys, the guys that's building these condos. Yep. Bro, you do understand that if that lake is pea soup green and dead shit's floating in it, no one's buying them condos. You know, you're not selling your million dollar, you know, to the realtor, you're not selling your million dollar lot on the water if the water sucks. Right. And there's a few that get it. I've got, you know, some friends of mine that are realtors and they're involved and they try to be involved. 
they probably have a finer line to walk than, than I do, though, you know. Oh, definitely. You know, right? So, because they can't be, like, against people building a condo because they need to sell them. But the way I look at, like, being a fishing guy, we should be the first to give back. Maybe some of you developers should be giving back more, right. you know. Well, you know, like, like, like I, I feel for the developers, and I'm not anti-development. Right. It's pretty plain and simple. We can't keep developing the way we developed in the 60s, 70s, and 80s here. It has to be different now. Right. And that's my thing about, you know, everybody. So when you get involved in this world, like, automatically you're anti-development, anti-farming, you know. Right. You're anti-everything, right? No, I'm not anti-farming. Hell, I can't be anti-farming. If it wasn't for farming, I wouldn't be here. You know, half of my family still makes a living in farming. You know, I'm not anti-development. I get it. I'm not stupid. We have to, you know, we have to have people to make a living. Hell, I got to take those people fishing, you know. Can we do it smarter? Right. Better. Hell, yes, we can. Can we do it better? Hell, yes, we can. Why aren't we? Yeah. Why? Because it costs more money? It takes it? more time? Okay. Well, the balancing act is, you know, if you don't do those things, the consequences are going to greatly outweigh the time and the money that you had to put for, you know, before it goes to shit. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, I tell you, people are intimidated. People are intimidated by government. Uh-huh. People are intimidated by the big developers. They're intimidated by people that have a lot of money. Yeah. Intimidation gets you a long way. People are intimidated. Yeah. You know, and I think for the first time, guys, especially your age, you know, I mean, I'm almost 20 years older than you, which is right. kind of weird, but... Especially your age. People are just getting where, like, they don't give a shit anymore. Right. Like, I'm not intimidated because I got nothing to lose. Right. Well, and that's kind of where, like, where I am in this, you know, in conservation world, if you will, is I I don't have anything to lose. We're already losing everything that I have to lose. So I don't really care. What are you going to do? What are you going to do to me? You're going to ruin my business? Okay. Red Tide already did that. You know, saying like, "What are you? What are you going to do to me?" Right? You going to burn down my double wide trailer in Fort Ogden? Go for it. It's insured for more than it's worth. Right. Have fun. Right. You know. Right. Right. Like, I got nothing to lose. Yeah. I got nothing to lose, but I got everything to lose at the same time. You know. Well, they're not going to be able to intimidate you, and you know the way they. I think we're used to intimidating people. Right. You know, they had businesses or properties or, you know, if you have something, then it's easier to get more intimidated. Like like Fort Lauderdale now, they're getting ready to dredge the Port Everglades for like the fourth time. Right. You know what I mean? How many times are you going to do that before you figure out, oh, wait, it don't want to be dredged. It ain't supposed to be that way. <laughs> well, the thing is, it's hard to get really upset about it anymore because we already screwed up the fishery. Right. There's no tarpon left, and the and the snook don't hang out there like they right. used to. You know, it's like, so my kid growing up, you know, at 14 years old, she never saw that inlet slap full of snook. Right. She never saw that inlet slap full of tarpon or the Bonita schools as far as you could see from friggin' right. West Palm Beach to Key West. Yeah. You know what I mean? I'm not positive where I'm going with that shit, but it's just in the eyes of the beholder. You know what I mean? Right. I don't know. It, it's it, it's tough. It's tough. It is. And I'm hopeful, you know, and there again, there's that fine line, right, of like doom and gloom versus come here and go fishing. I'm hopeful that we can see the good old days again. You know, I don't I don't think it's too far gone. I think we can see it again if we keep doing what we're doing, you know. Well, I think Mother Nature's strong enough to. Mother Nature's to, a resilient bitch. Right. She'll rebound. Like, she'll rebound. We she just, will fight you to the end. We, Obviously, like talking about dredging, you know, Port Everglades, it's like Boca Grande Pass here. They, you know, they've dredged it for years and years and years, and they haven't. Well, it's getting shallower. It's filling in again because Mother Nature's taking it back. You know. And that's my biggest thing, you know, we talk about development and stuff. Just give it a break or do it differently. You know, Mother Nature will rebound if we can let her. Mm-hmm. You know, she can't keep, it's death from a thousand cuts. You know, it's exactly. not just one thing, it's, it's three million things. You know, and if we can just kind of start checking 
boxes off of those things, it's just going to help her that much more, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, and that's with the conservation groups. Um, and I'll give you a great example. And I told Chris this when, um, when I went to visit those guys in Fort Myers, but we, we, it was pretty emotional going through that big sewage spill in Fort Lauderdale. Right. And we, 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 we organized a big protest that was very successful, and I reached out to captains, I reached out to Four Oceans, I reached out to the CCA, I reached out to a lot of these nonprofits, and I didn't get a lot of help with it, and I started to get bitter a little bit about it. Mm-hmm. And then Chris actually told me, he said, Jeff, he goes, I'd love to help you, he says, but I'm staying laser-focused yeah. on getting the water south to the Everglades National Park. And then I sat back and I thought about that and I said, you know, if Chris called me 10 years ago when I was building the friggin' West Mac and I was 100% focused on building this 46-foot boat right? and he would ask me to come to Fort Myers to speak to an environmental group. You'd have been like, nah, bro. I'd been like, I can't, I can't do. do it. Right. So then I was like, wait a second. I said, that was probably the best answer somebody ever get, has given me. Mm-hmm. It's like, I need to stay focused on what I'm doing. Which is crazy because those guys get flack for that all the time. I see it all the time. Like, how come, oh, Captain for Clean Water doesn't care because they didn't say something about this sewage spill in Fort Myers or whatever it is, right? Well, they did say something, first of all. Like, and they are. They're laser focused on that. And they have to be because of the, like we just said, there's three million problems. Like, you can't you can't tackle all those all at once with one group, mm-hmm. you know. Like um, here in Charlotte County, up in Desoto County, where I live now, you know, there we had this deal with Mosaic, you know, wanting to mine phosphate right on the Peace River, which they already do upstream from where they're at now. Same thing, you know. No one knows kind of say, hey guys, you know, and they told me the same thing, bro. We'd love to, like we do, we don't agree with it. Trust me, but we don't have time or resources to deal with that too. That's on you. So me and my buddy Lee that owns a restaurant here in town, we started organizing and getting people together and we went, you know, to county commission meetings and, you know, fought and fought and fought and fought and we were successful for the meantime. But that's, and I guess that's like, that's what everybody needs to do. Like, and I think, you know, I was listening to y'all's, you and Benny's, podcast and i think benny said something about that you know no one knows your water like you do right right no one cares about your water like you do so if you got a problem figure out how to fix it because you can do it and what happened with like that mosaic thing was my experiences with captains and watching how they do things and what they do gave me the confidence to go fight that mm-hmm. you know so I thank them for that, for, you know, the inspiration to to be well, able to do those things and know that you can win. You're not going to win every fight. You're not going to win every battle. But you can win some of the times. Right. Yeah, and that's, that's one of the, it's funny you say battle and fight. You know, you, you hear people say that they want to be in the fight. They want to be in the battle. Right. But it's a real fight. And you've got to be willing to get punched in the nose. You got to be willing to get called names. Right. You got to get be willing to like get threatened sometimes. Like it's, it's a real, real fight. Like it's real deal fight. You, you can't, know, right? You can't use that word, right? You know, so passively because it's when we're talking about fighting, it's it's real fight. Right. Absolutely, it is. and and people throw that around and they're so willing to say it. But are you willing to walk the walk? Are right. you willing to talk the talk? A lot of people aren't. A lot of people, you know. I mean, we were talking about being intimidated. That still happens. Happens a lot. You know, industry, whatever that industry is that you're fighting against sometimes, it can be very intimidating. But you got to be willing to not be intimidated. I got to tell you that so much I learned in the last couple of years, you know, um, putting on a different hat, you know, the environmentalist hat. One of the things that I learned in Fort Lauderdale, the people that, there's a lot of people that care and want to tell you something. And the first thing they say is, I'm going to tell you this, but it didn't come from me. Right. Or Why? Are you scared? They are scared. <laughs> they are scared, Josh. Right. And maybe captains, Bonefish Tarpon Trust, CCA. And those guys do an amazing job, too, Bonefish Tarpon Trust. I know you've had a couple, you know, you've done some podcasts with them. Um, last year, 
I took a position as their Southwest Florida representative. That was my next question. Which I want, is, I want it's a position, right? I don't get paid. Okay. So, but you know, last week, a matter of fact, I spent two days with them tagging fish and filming some stuff with Dr. Aaron Adams. Those guys at Bonefish Tarpon Trust, you know, their thing is bringing science to the fight, which they really do. Like, right. You, I can't do some of the things that I'm doing without having that scientific proof. Well, they give us the science, mm-hmm. you know, so which is why I choose to spend my time and my energy with those two groups, with captains, you know, because their solutions that they're fighting for, which are the solutions that we've proven over the years will work to fix the Everglades problems. They're fighting for those solutions mm-hmm. and it fixes all the problems. It doesn't just fix one of the you know, 10 things and Bonefish Tarpon Trust for giving us the science to be able to fight those fights. Right. You know, and, you know, like we said, there's a million things you could go fight for, but that's why I put my energy where I do. Right. Because I can see a finish line, right? Like Everglades Restoration. We know the game plan. Like, we already got the playbook for that. Let's right. just do it. Right. right. You know. Well, one of the things that I was, uh, wanted to accomplish both with the podcast and the real guy network is I wanted to unite Bonefish Tarpon Trust with captains right with CCA with one Florida foundation and what I learned is is a lot of these people that are into the same goal fight each other and I found, and you know, I'm just learning this shit. I'm the, you know, I didn't know this stuff before. There's so a lot I'm, of games get played. A lot of games get played. They fight each other. They sabotage each other. It's a weird thing. Very and weird. I, and I was hoping that I, the impact that I could make, just by having eyeballs and ear, and ears, is that we can get over that. Right. And there's no room for that anymore. Maybe there was 20 years ago to be opponents or whatever. Right. It's funny I go back to Marciano, but he said it the best anybody could say it. He says the government banks on us. Divide and conquer, bro. To to be divided. Yeah. They bank on us to be divided. Not just government. You know, these special interests that you're fighting against, you know, they bank on that. If outdoorsmen are divided and we're fighting against each other, we have no, you know, it's like, hey, look over there. While I'm doing this over here. Exactly. You know, and that happens a lot in this world and it's crazy and it's, it's, that really aggravates me. Right. And I, I don't know how to fix that problem because the, some people I think sometimes get paid or get some favors or whatever it is to cause that division, which is sad to me. And some of those people call themselves outdoorsmen and, you know, they call themselves conservationists. And why? You know, and a lot of my times, my answer to that is like, I don't care what you're doing, right? If we're fighting for this this goal or whatever it is, right? Like, we're going to try to move this lake. I'm going to go about it this way. You go about it your way. As long as we get this lake moved. I don't give a shit how you did it. Right. I don't care where your money came from. Right. I don't care how, you know, I don't care about that. Let's just get to the end of the game. Yeah. yeah. And, 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 and it, it is a game. That's really the problem is it's a game, right? It's politics. It's a game. Yeah. No, it's a game. And, and, and some people know how to play it. Most people don't. And, you know, there's a, I don't have patience to play it. It's my problem yeah. because I don't. I don't live my life that way, right? Like, I try to be as real as possible with people, and I, I don't sugarcoat stuff. And so I don't I don't have time for the game. Like, because this isn't a game to me. This is, like I said, this is my everything. It's the way I make a living. This is the way I recreate. This is my freaking heritage. This is my culture. This is everything to me. It's not a game. And when people bring games to that, it, it gets aggravating real quick. Yeah, yeah. Well... I think um, I think all the groups are getting more laser focused. Right. You know what I mean? And I think because of social media, and this is the good side of social media, is we can call the people out that are playing the games right. and expose them for a change. Until they block you. 
<laughs> you can only block so many. That's right. You know, and, and, and if they're blocking you, then you know you're getting to them. Well, listen, I, I know, <laughs> I know I've been blocked by a lot of people. And every time I get blocked, I check the win box. Sure. Like I won. You did. You know, if I got to you that bad with some facts, if the truth hurts you that bad that you don't want to hear or see me, I win. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. For one, I win because now I don't have to hear your crap anymore. And you heard me. Yeah. Because if you didn't hear me, you wouldn't have blocked me. Yeah. Well, I'm going to bring it up, and I keep bringing it up, and I really don't give a shit. But the CCA got pissed at me um, <laughs> not too long ago huh? because I called them out on this oyster project there they were trying to do in Fort Lauderdale. Right. And I, I'm not against their, their oyster project. Right. You know what I mean? But I am against the PR in the game that they're playing with the Oyster Project, like they were doing something very important. Mm -hmm. And they're doing that, and I get it, you know, they, they need to make themselves look good so they look like they're doing something. And you want to do that again? Good. I'll call you out again. Right. But I don't hate the CCA. I still give them money. Right. I still support them and everything. Yeah. But on the other hand... They do good things. Yeah. And that's the thing, right? All these groups, like, they all do good stuff. In their own way or their whatever it is, you know, they're doing good things. Most of them. <laughs> um, sometimes, I think in groups, it's very easy to lose focus. Right? Um, and I've got a long story about CCA that I really don't want to get into. But, <laughs> you know, it's very easy for them sometimes to get lost or, you know. And it's sad and I and I don't hate them. I don't hate them. I'm glad that they're there. I mean, the CC, if it wasn't for CCA, we may not have this arena to play in and and fight these fights. I mean, they've been there forever, right? Right. You know. Um I wish they would get more involved in certain things and less involved in other ones, but so be it. That's their, you know, that's their decision to make. And the and they will make the decision, and that's right. what I mean. Like if, if if you keep your mouth shut and you don't say anything, well, how are you? How are they going to make a better decision next year? Right. Yeah. And you know, and it it was a little rough, and we ruffled some feathers, and some people you know lashed out and that type of thing. But like you said, I counted it as a win. Right. You know, it's okay to fight with somebody as long as there's some sort of product. You know production right. if something positive comes out of it i'll fight with anybody right and i'm not scared of a good argument i like a good argument i'm not scared of a good argument i don't want to live in this world that i think a lot of people do where we all get along and it's all rainbows and unicorns right like it's never been that way why would anybody think it's going to be that way that sounds boring bro <laughs> like i don't want to agree with everybody on everything a good argument's nice every now and then you know like and maybe that's Partly, you know, I get labeled a lot as an asshole, but that's okay too. It, the truth hurts sometimes. Truth. Don't ask me something if you don't want to know the answer. And there's nothing wrong with being <laughs> an asshole either, Josh. Right. I made a I made a friggin' social media network out of being an asshole most of the time. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. But people appreciate it. They're like, right. well, at least the guy's friggin' being, you know, real, real. Or, or or saying what he wants or whatever. Right. But I know it. And. I always, I always, I always go back to uh, wrestling. Wrestling was a big influence in my life. You know, right. when I was growing up, you know, the WWF and the wrestling was just, you know, at its peak. And how horrible wrestling would have been if we didn't have somebody to hate. Right. You needed somebody you that you have didn't the bad like. Guy, right. Right. So it's okay to be the bad guy, as long as you tell the truth. Right. And you believe and you have conviction. Right. Then you can be a bad guy. Right. And that's, I've tried to be that way with whether, it, you know, when I had my fly shop, if you came in and asked me a question, I'm going to tell you the truth. It may not be what you want to hear, but the truth and what you want to hear ain't always the same thing. And I'm okay with being the bad guy. Yeah. It's cool. And I got friends. I don't need any more. Let me tell you, <laughs> let me tell you, let me tell you a little story about your fly shop. And, um, I was so glad that my kid was with me. So my kids, maybe at this time, she's probably 10 years old. And we walk in the fly shop, and I was looking for some flies to throw in this little pond right here. Right. So I go in there, and the guys were just 
very nice extremely helpful they made sure that I felt comfortable in there they made sure that that we knew how much they appreciated what we put online and the, right. and the network and all that kind of thing and they genuinely wanted to help me with my little fly issue right here in this pond right but having the 10 year old with me to see that Right. And to take pictures with those guys. And then to go home with the West Wall stickers. Right. You know what I mean? It was really important for me, for my kid to see that. Right. Because we don't see that shit on the East Coast very often anymore. No. You know what I mean? Yeah, the East Coast has got very unpersonal. Dude, it's a dog-eat-dog world over there. Yeah. And then dogs are mean over there. Right. And that's part of why I did the fly shop thing I think was because traveling around the state or the country or going different places fishing going into fly shops like wherever I go if there's a fly shop around I'm gonna go check it out right I don't need anything for sure but I'm gonna go check it out plus it hell that's how you learn stuff you know about that area I went to a lot of fly shops and it was some like old grumpy ass dude behind the counter like like I was bothering him you know like I feel you. So, like, I told the guys that work for me, like, that's not what we're doing here. For one, there again, long-term investment, whether it's environmental or a, a real business. If we don't grow this sport, if we don't grow this community, if we don't welcome people into it, how are we going to stay in business, right? Like, if fly fishing is this elitist thing that, you know, only guys that are 65 and older and have a million dollars in their bank account can do yeah where are we going we ain't going we're going nowhere fast right right and i blame like i blame the fly fishing industry for a lot of that there's a latest thing there oh bro the in- industry sucks <laughs> <laughs> no like, don't don't hold back Jack. <laughs> here i go and be an asshole again <laughs> but like international fly fishers i triple f and you know these these groups god you guys make it hard as hell for somebody to get into fly fishing. Like, I've literally had those guys tell me, oh, well, you know, if you're not fishing for the big three in shallow water, sight fishing, you know, bonefish permit or tarpon in shallow water or, or trout and salmonoids in freshwater rivers, you ain't fly fishing. Do what? Right. right. Bro, I'll go wait through them cattails over there and fish in that ditch and catch a damn tilapia for all I care. I'm still fly fishing. Right, right. And if you don't have a $1,000 rod, bro, you're not cool. Who gives a shit? <laughs> Can you cast and catch a fish? Okay, that's all that matters. No, no, dude. You're, <laughs> no, that and dude, you're you're a real guy all the way down, you know, all the way inside, and you know, you you see things differently than than most, and it's it's a great thing, and I'm I'm really glad that we got together to do a recording. But I got to tell you, where I'm at in my own personal fishing career, and it, it hit me this year really hard. I got to fish more for myself this year than I did in the last 20 years. Me and you both. <laughs> and I picked up the damn fly rod. Yeah. And I had more fun with my fly rod in the last 12 months than I've had, and I'm telling you, maybe not the whole 20 years, but I don't know. Dude, I found myself just enjoying... The experience. Yeah, just doing it. And that's it. what it is, right? Like like we talked before, like when I first started guiding, or, you know, it was all about gotta catch the biggest the most the best in the prettiest places and all the you know like to me anymore it's about that experience it's about time spent right and time spent in cool places doing cool shit yeah and fly fishing to me allowed me to go do some of that stuff you know and get away from especially when i was you know bait fishing guiding bait fishing and it allowed me to leave that at home so it wasn't about work anymore and just go, for one, suck at it for a while, right? Like, because no one ever picked up a fly rod and was good. <laughs> so it was very humbling, yeah. you know? Yeah, yeah. So, and to, and I think it made me a better angler, for one, because I, fly fishing is not just where the fish are right now. It's like, how did they get there? When did they come in there? How, you know? So, fly fishing's cool. It's not, it doesn't have to be this elitist thing, right? You yeah. know? To me, it's a tool, and there is times that you can outfish live bait with a fly rod. There is, especially, you know? especially for the for the the tarpon, especially. Right. 
Yeah, I, I can make a tarpon eat a fly before they'll eat a artificial anything or a live bait a lot of times. Yeah. So, you know, it's a tool. Just, you know, and I think that's what's kind of cool about fly fishing is it can be whatever you want it to be, right? Yeah. You know, it can be a tool. It can be, you can go be one of those elitists if you want to, or you can be like one of these little hood rat kids jumping fences and fishing golf course ponds, and that's cool too. Like, good good for you go for it yeah you know run that dog <laughs> exactly run that dog <laughs> who gives a shit go do your thing you know yeah 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 well i gotta tell you there's a lot more fly fishing in my immediate future cool i mean a lot more and well, dude, uh, this lake that we're sitting on shh, shh, <laughs> I got to tell you, the whole spot stealing technology thing, I'm, it's, it's, I'm expanding it into the podcast world. Oh, shit. I don't We're want, in trouble now. Well, I, I tell you, I'm consistently, I won't talk about where people fish anymore. Right. Or how they fish anymore. Um, I want everybody to have their own piece of paradise. Oh, yeah. And I don't want to be the guy that uh, ruined somebody's piece of paradise because God knows I've ruined my own pieces of paradise in the last 15 years with social media. Very easily done. And I learned from my mistakes. Yep. You know what I mean? But anyway, Josh, man, we've been at this for about an hour. Jeez. I think we could go two hours easy. Probably. But instead of doing that, let's, next time I come over here to visit my parents or whatever, let's get together, maybe do some fly fishing, do another recording. Yeah. And pick up where we left off. Sounds good to me, bud. Josh Greer, over here in the great state of Florida, <laughs> Punta Gorda, Port Charlotte area. Um, one of the good guys in the business, and I'm just glad that he was able to take some time to uh, spend with me. Anyway, Josh, thanks for being here. And oh, run thank that you, dog. Jeff. I appreciate it. <laughs> good recording. Brother.